I'm going to ask us to put a bow, uh, kind of wrap up the, the thought of prayer. And I hope that you have gleaned some really challenging and good things, truths from the word of the Lord. As Pastor Michelle has uh, speak, spoken to you for three weeks in a row about prayer, I'll wrap it up today. And um, I'm going to ask you to look with me in Luke chapter 11. And as you are turning there or preparing to read this with me, I just want to say again, so often in the scriptures, we can go through the scripture and we can look at it and we can kind of dismiss from our mind that these are events that actually happen and that they involved real people. But I, I ask you to do your best to wrap your mind around what's happening as we read this here today that, that involved real people and this was an actual event. It says to us that one day was Jesus was praying in a certain place and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples and he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. Then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and he goes to him at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you. Though he will not give up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And before I go any further today, can I just tell you that if these words were not from the Bible... And if these words were not spoken by Jesus Christ directly, I might struggle with believing them. They're powerful, powerful words coming from the mouth of Jesus. You see, Jesus was in prayer. And he wasn't just saying prayers. He was in prayer. And I hope by now you know that there's a difference between saying some prayers and being in prayer. And although often a typically private thing for Jesus, he didn't have reservations about allowing his disciples to be near him as he prayed. So as was the case several other times before, as Jesus was in prayer, there were 12 men silently observing him. 12 men who had left their families and livings behind to follow him and be his disciple. 12 men who were fixated on him, completely caught up, and the sacredness and the power of the moment of Jesus in prayer. You see, while Jesus prayed, there was a separation, it seemed, between the world around him and him. A conscious nearness to his heavenly father. Being in close proximity of Jesus, communing in prayer like this with his father, seemed to bring heaven down to earth. 
as the air would be charged with holy power. There was a sense of intimacy and familiarity of Jesus with his father as he prayed. Such sacredness that the disciples stood there captivated. They sensed the power of what Jesus was doing. They sensed the sacredness of the moment. And as they stood there observing him, finally, when he had finished his prayers, driven by the desire to have that, one of his disciples came to him and said, Jesus, will you show us how to do that? John taught his disciples, would you please tell us how we can have that? I don't know about you, but when I pray, I want it to count. Amen. When I'm seeking God, when I'm praying, I want what Jesus has. I want that nearness. I want that sacredness. I want heaven and, and earth touching. I, that's, that's my desire. Every time I lift up a prayer, I want to know that God is present. I want the energy of that kind of prayer. I, I want the sacredness of that kind of prayer. I want you to please take note that Jesus did not say to his disciples upon the request to teach them to pray like this. He didn't look at them and say, I'm sorry, this kind of nearness to God, this kind of communion, this kind of sacredness, this kind of power is only available to me. I want you to, if you don't get anything else out of this sermon today, I want you to capture these words. And I'm begging you to consider these words and internalize them and to believe this. I am convinced that because of what Jesus said and because of what Jesus has done, it is possible for any person who has a relationship with God, any person who is a believer and follower of Jesus Christ to have that kind of power, that kind of nearness, that kind of closeness in their prayer life. I believe that with all of my heart. I believe that no matter who you are, if you are a believer, that Jesus welcomes you to have that kind of relationship where when you pray, it seems as though heaven and earth are touching one another. I believe that is possible. In fact, Jesus invited us to pray like that. He called upon us and gave us an invitation. And he says to us, he commands us, be in prayer like that. Become a person of prayer. And he in no way ever said that any of us would not have the same benefits of prayer as anybody, uh, everybody, anybody else in his, his fellowship would. He invites us. He invites his followers to share that deep nearness with God that only comes through communing with real prayer. And he instructed us, the disciples and us, on prayer. He immediately went into that. And, and you will remember Pastor Michelle spent some time on the model prayer. This is an example of it. On the model prayer that, that Jesus uh, gave to people. It is not just meant to be recited. Although that is not a bad thing. But it is a, a pattern for our prayer lives. And Jesus taught us that. But let me say you... Uh, say to you again, and I beg you to hear this, there is not a follower of Jesus Christ who cannot enjoy a powerful prayer life because we're invited to do so by God himself. Every one of us can have that kind of power in prayer. And he delights in our prayers. He looks forward to the day that you kneel before him or you get before him and during the day when you, you seek him. I want to spend some time on a specific kind of prayer today. 
I want to tell you that I know that there are many types of prayers. There are, of course, prayers of thanksgiving. There are prayers when we are petitioning God for something we need in our life. That's an appropriate thing to do, and I'll touch on this a little bit later. We're, it's okay for us to ask God for things. There are many types of prayer. But I want to spend a little bit of time on intercession, intercessory prayer, intercession. I want us to consider something today. All around, if, if, if you, you find a pretty good golfer here and he could put a ball down, he could tee off. And whatever direction that he or she could tee off, wherever that ball would fall, probably within the scope of that drive, there will be people who are living their life and they're absolutely deceived. I don't want to be unkind because I'm not I'm not trying to say something just to be inflammatory here. But I will tell you that there are a lot of people in our society, in our community, who think that everything is all right with between them and God and that their eternal soul is safe. And they're deceived about it because they think they're hoping at least that that they're ready to go to heaven. And, and there are so many people who live very close to us. And in the United States is certainly polluted with people who believe they, they do the, the scale thing. They do. I'm a good person. And if I'm more good than I am bad, then God's going to let me go to heaven. And, and you hear things like that all the time in conversations that I have with people. Um, I, I hear people saying things like, this is a private issue between me and the man upstairs, and we have an understanding. And there are so many people who are thinking, I'm good here, I'm good here. And I don't, I don't want to use these words just to be inflammatory. And some people will accuse me of it, maybe. But I'm going to say the fact remains, according to this book, that people who do not have a biblical relationship with Jesus Christ are in a dire situation. It's not good for them. Their, their soul is lost. And their eternal destiny is a horrible destiny. The Bible tells us very clearly that without Jesus Christ, we have no hope of going to heaven. There isn't another option here. And so we live in a county, in a county, we live in a state, we live in a country, we live in an area here where there are so many people who are walking around and they're playing, playing Russian roulette with their spiritual destiny. And they're saying, I'm okay. Do you know how many people that you bump into who are convinced that there are more than one way to go to heaven? There's more than one road to God. And the Bible says the opposite. The Bible makes it very clear. There is one way, Jesus Christ. There is no other way to heaven. And while we sit here this morning and we enjoy, and I, I trust many of you have a personal relationship with God, where we enjoy our worship, we enjoy our time together all around us this morning, this very moment as I am speaking, there are people who are thinking, I'm okay, everything's all right, and they are hell-bound. I don't like that. I don't I don't I'm not thrilled about that. But that's the reality and that's the truth. And that's why we should learn how to pray. Because there are things that we cannot do in our own strength. Amen. Listen, I recognize that it's all right to throw an event like the trunk or treat and do nice things for our community. But there needs to be a means to an end. And in our mind, we must always have the mission that there are lost people out there who need the light of Jesus Christ. And our idea of doing this is to introduce them to people who know about Jesus, who one day can tell them that they need the Lord. 
That's why we do these things. That's why we exist, or at least it's a great part of our mission here today. I can only remind you of this this way. The stakes cannot be higher. The stakes is the priceless value of eternal souls. And it's that high. Jesus often gave his followers imagery that the world is like a field that's ripe for harvest. And I have to tell you, Christian, you have people in your life, and we have talked about this. We, we explain what the word oikos means in the Bible. It translated from the original Greek. It talks about your, your community, people that God has placed in your life who are lost. They don't have Jesus. And there may be somebody in your life right now, they're ripe to hear about God. They hear about, more importantly, uh, they hear about the message of Jesus Christ and what he can do. And we have an opportunity to make a difference in this world. And part of what needs to be done is that we need to develop some power in prayer. I have to tell you something. There's just a whole lot of things that I cannot do and we cannot do together that only uh, a supernatural move of God can accomplish. Amen. We need the Holy Spirit to powerfully move on the hearts of people. I can't sway the hearts of people and neither can you. I'll remind you of this. I've been in ministry over 30 years and all of my efforts and all of my ministry time. Not once have I ever saved one person. Because I can't. I'm not holy enough. I'm not great enough, but I serve the Savior of the world, and he is. And he does deliver people. And some of you are sitting here today. You've been delivered. God has done a wonderful work. So you have a a part in this wonderful mission of Jesus Christ. He's passed it down to us. And one of those things, and it's not a small thing, is to be able to pray. I want to remind you that the church isn't just existing on its own and just dealing with people. The Bible tells us very clearly that we wrestle not just against flesh and blood, but there are powers at work against the church of Jesus Christ. Do you know that? There's an enemy. And the way to defeat that enemy is through prayer. Since we here at the Gospel Chapel are a ministry called to build the kingdom of God, to contend for people's souls and to make disciples, we need supernatural power. Man's efforts aren't enough. We work in conjunction with the Holy Spirit. I'll say that effective prayer is learned. Lord, teach us to pray. The disciples prayed. And we learn to pray, honestly, by praying. It's the best way to develop your prayer life. Start to pray. Start to call on God. That's how you develop your ability to pray to the Lord. I will tell you that we learn to pray by standing in the gap for people who don't even pray for themselves. You understand that some people are so deceived that they think everything is all right between them and God that they never bother to pray for themselves because they think they're okay. They need somebody standing in the gap for them. And that's something that is so compelling to me. I've been praying throughout my 40 plus years of being a follower of Jesus Christ. And for almost all of my relationship with Jesus, I have been praying for other people. I have people that I lift up who don't know the Lord. And I've interceded for a lot of people who, thanks be to God, have come to the Lord 
simply because I was calling on God and asking him to, to reach them and to work in them. And it's possible I may pray more than some as a rule, but I will tell you that although I have learned some things about praying, I feel like I'm in kindergarten. There's so much more to learn. I notice I haven't arrived at all. And I have yet to meet a sincere Christian who would say to me that they know all that there is to know about interceding. So I'm not going to do this. But Jesus taught us a lesson here. And I'm going to jump into this lesson. And I'll move through this rather quickly so that we can wrap this up today. But I want to tell you that I, I would suggest to you what Jesus did for us is identify three levels of interceding for other people, praying for people who don't know the Lord Jesus. He said these words, ask and it will be given to you for everyone who asks, receives. I love those words. Now, asking is a level of prayer that um, Richard J. Foster and, and author Wesley Duell refers to as simple prayer. It's what the word implies. It's asking for something, requesting something from the Lord. And a great word picture for us, and he has even told us to come to him boldly. And you'll remember, we just read that when, when Jesus said, look, it, you know, a man may be in bed, he may be in there with his children, and somebody may interrupt it that night and knock on the door, I need some bread, I need some help. And the man may not get up because he's your friend, but he got up because of the boldness of the person. He says, you need to approach me boldly like a child approaches their parents. Now, if you are a parent, this isn't going to be very hard for you to understand. If you are a grandparent, this isn't going to be very hard for you to understand. When your child wants something from you, they don't come to you and try to impress you with the way that they ask, right? Oh, thou great parenteth. You know, and, and, and try to espouse some King James E. Uh, thou who doth clothe me and feedeth my stomacheth. You know, you, you just don't approach your, your mom and your dad or your grandparent like that when you wanted something from them. No, it was a very simple and a very bold approach. You would just walk up and say, may I have a dad? Can I want that? Can I have that? And there wasn't some kind of protocol for you to go through. If you had normal parents, you just would just ask why? Because that's what kids do. And you don't go because you're afraid. You're not afraid. You're asking because you know they love you. You know your mom loves you very much. Mom, I'm hungry. Can I, would you fix me a sandwich, mom? Now, I wouldn't suggest you, if you are a grown man or a grown woman, to go home and find your parent and say, fix me a sandwich. You know, if you're a teenager, don't do that to them. But, but, but a lot of parents, if we would ask them nicely, they, your mom's probably will because she loves you so much, right? This, that kind of boldness and brashness, that kind of a matter of factness is exactly what asking is. It is what it says. It's a level of intercession. It's okay to ask God for things. In fact, what he says, and these are the words of Jesus, everyone who asks receives. And in James, we're told the reason we don't have things is because we don't ask for them. I worked for a while on staff with this guy that now my son works with this guy. And one of the things that I learned from him was this. That guy would walk up to somebody and ask for anything. I mean, he would just ask. He'd go up to people in the church and he would ask him, would you do so and so? And I, found, I, I said, Todd, how can you do that? Man, I'd be embarrassed to ask. He says, Ken, the worst thing that can happen is they look at me and say, no, I can't. 
Okay. He says, I'll move on. I'll ask somebody else. And he really is right. I was just too proud to ask a lot of times. So I ended up beating myself to death. And when he would ask people, would you do this? Would you take this on? And people I found out in the church will do that. You don't have because you don't ask. And I love what God, what Jesus said. This is so powerful. He even made it on a childlike level. He says, which of you? You have a child, have a son who would ask you for um, something. Instead of giving them what they wanted, you you give them a scorpion or or a rock instead of bread. And he says, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give you the Holy Spirit? Oh, let me tell you something, folks. I think we need to begin to ask God for some things around here. Amen. We need to be be willing to just just go to God on a simple childlike level and ask. Now, I know some of us will say, you're sitting here thinking, I can almost see it in some of your heads. I have asked for things, Pastor Ken, it's not happened. And I just need to ask you to remember a couple of things. God is a sovereign God. And we don't see the beginning from the end, but God certainly does. And this isn't God not loving you. In fact, it's God loving you. Do you remember being a child and asking for something that wasn't good for you and your parent just said no? And they did it because they loved you. Dad, can I play with that gun? No. Why not? Because you're an idiot, son. I love you. But if I give you a gun, you'll shoot yourself to death. You'll die because you're an idiot. You can't handle a gun, son. You know, and I'm, I'm, you know, being a little silly here, but. We need to trust our God. Amen. This is what I'm trying to say. When you ask God, trust in the fact that he is a good God and that he does hear you, but he is in control. Don't doubt his heart, people. Don't doubt your God. But asking is a first level and it's simple prayer. That's what that's what these authors were referring to it as. It's simple prayer. And I just want you to know that your God loves you. Even now, sitting here, you could go into simple prayer and ask God to reach people in your life who don't have a relationship with the Lord. You can ask him to cause your heart to sense the urgent, dire situation that they are in, to awaken you again, to break your heart, so you are aware that people around you are facing eternity without him. And I would suggest that you ask for an opportunity to speak to them. Ask God to give you the right words to say. Pray that God would orchestrate some circumstances in the lives of people in your sphere of influence that you can help them know Jesus Christ. Give me the courage to even invite somebody to church. I also need to say to you, understand that we can't be effective in this kind of prayer, even this kind of prayer, if we have a dirty heart. You might have to start with, God, would you please forgive me? By the way, when you ask God sincerely for forgiveness, he always gives it to you. He's a merciful, kind God. You may have to start there. But understand, because you're his, when you stand in the gap and you pray for somebody, God hears. The second level that he gave us a seek and you will find he who seeks finds. Have you ever lost anything valuable to you? I don't know about you, but when I lose something that really matters a lot to me, uh, I don't know if you're like me, but when I lose something I value, I spend or suspend everything else so that I can search. Oh, I've been known to go a little nuts when I'm looking for something. Say I lost my wallet, which is a big deal to me. 
If I, 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 I've been known to take furniture and turn it upside down, tear it all apart. I've been known to rip stuff out of cabinets. I've, because it's important. I'm trying to find this thing. I'm searching. I've been known to elicit help. I can't find it, honey. And, and you know, I'm a man, so I can be looking right at it. And for some reason, us men have issues with this. And my wife, I think she has a, a tracking device inside of her because she'll walk right up to it. Beep, beep, beep. Oh, here it is. You know, I can't do that. And I'll go nuts when I'm looking for something. If it's important, we really look. I was on vacation one time, and, and uh, we, we were a young couple. We didn't have very much money. We had our first child. And we decided it would be really cool to go camping. And I found in the paper this really what turned out to be a piece of junk camper that uh, we, we put to the back of the truck and I towed it to the campground. It was about big enough to change your mind in and that's all. It was a tiny little thing. And uh, we were in this little camper and we were on a campground. It was fun. We did crabbing because they had a docks there and you could crab landline off the docks and all. And, and it wasn't a very nice camper at all. I mean, it leaked. It had all kinds of issues and I sold it pretty quickly and lost all kinds of money. All that fun stuff. But on this vacation that we were we were on. We took a week. We were on this vacation. One night I went to bed and there was this little teeny shelf. And I just put my wallet on top of that shelf. And I went to bed and I'm sure I tossed and turned like I always do. And as, like I said, a junkie camper, I'm sure it shook. But the, the, the wallet came off of the shelf and unbeknownst to me, fell into the trash can. I got up in the morning and I grabbed the trash bag and I took it out. And then the trash truck came and took that wallet away. And I lost my wallet. And it, yes, thank you for pitying me. I appreciate it. It was awful. We don't like to lose things that we value. It's, it, and when we do, there is an intensity and even a desperation. I remember when I pastored in near the D.C. area inside the Beltway. that I got a phone call from Brandy one day. Brandy was frantic. It was late in the evening. And uh, it was around the fall time of year. And she was in tears. I could barely understand her. Brandy and Tim were a couple um, close, uh, a little bit younger than me. And they had two sons, Tim Jr. and little Kyle. God bless little Kyle. He was one of those kids, right? You know, he was just a kid that found ways to get in trouble. And like. Whoa, yeah, when you taught Sunday school or something and you saw Kyle walk in the in the room, you swallowed hard. He was that hyperdoodle little boy that was just he was just Kyle. He almost became a verb to us. But anyway, he I get this phone call from Brandy and he's about five years old. And Brandy is crying. And she says, Timmy and Kyle went to the park and Timmy came home and Kyle's nowhere to be found, Pastor. It was in a neighborhood that wasn't that safe. And she's bawling. And I prayed briefly. I kept my composure well enough to pray with her. And I said, you know, I'll help in any way I can. I hung up the phone and I began to weep. Because I felt the intensity of that moment. And I said, oh, God, please don't let something happen to that old boy. And suddenly all my irritation with Kyle went away and all I had was compassion and love for for Kyle and then this is every parent's nightmare they're out there in the park and they're looking and they're they're starting to go to the neighborhood and knock on doors and I got on my knees and I said oh God please no don't let him be lost please protect him please help him and you know what this is like folks I was seeking the intensity was high because I loved that little boy I said oh God please protect him 
Fortunately, I got a phone call about two hours later, and they did find him, and he was with an adult. He was with somebody he didn't know, and the family didn't know. It was a man who lived by himself. Fortunately, nothing happened to him, and God was good. But I can tell you, when something like that is at stake, the intensity level gets up. There were a lot of people out there in that neighborhood searching. Why? They suspended everything. Why? Because Kyle was valuable. Every once in a while, God calls us into seeking. I want to remind you what I said a little bit earlier. We're not just praying uh, for, for um, a, just a human realm here. We are praying for them, but we are wrestling against an enemy who will settle for nothing less than the destruction of the people who are deceived and who are hellbound. That's exactly what he wants, and that's exactly what he works for. And so when there are times when we need to go into a deep level of prayer where we're seeking the face of God. Oh, God, won't you come now? Listen to me. The reason why not too many people like this level of prayer is because there's effort. There sometimes involves emotion. Sometimes it involves suspending everything so that we can pray. But all oh, that God would raise up some people in our, our congregation who would be willing to pray the price for the community of people around here. All oh, that we would get burdened. All oh, that it would matter that much to us. That we would pour out ourselves and seek God for lost people. I have to tell you, I've been seeking God for people in my life for most of my Christian life. And there have been times when it has involved a lot of work. But I want to pray that price because people without Christ are hellbound. This isn't a game to me. This isn't just something we, we exist for. And if we don't care about the souls around us, then let's not call ourselves a, a church. Let's call ourselves a club. But I think you do care. I think it does matter. And I think we need to seek God. Seeking God with prayer takes greater effort, greater intensity than just asking. This is another level. This is more urgent. Remember also, when you're praying for somebody who has lost, God has given them a free will. And God will not transgress against their right to choose. You can choose today to reject Jesus Christ. And God will not stop you from rejecting him. You can make that choice. And sometimes we are praying that the enemy would lose his grip. And we are seeking God. It is a deeper level. And you can't stay there all the time. But once in a while, I'm praying that some of us dive into that level. And we're just seeking the face of God. Praying with fervency. Praying with urgency. Praying with a burden. I pray that happens. I pray God breaks our church's heart. I pray it matters to us more than it currently does. Church, there are so many people in bondage and there's so much in bondage and so messed up that they need prayer on their behalf to break the yokes that the enemy has put them in and on their lives. And this is accomplished by the power of God. And that power falls on people who go deeper with them in prayer. I want to have a powerful prayer life and we can. I challenge you there. As you're praying for someone in your life, I believe the Spirit may urge your heart sometimes to pray with greater urgency and greater intensity from time to time and take you to that deeper level of seeking. Oh, God, I'm seeking. Finally, Jesus said, knock and the door will be open to you. 
To him who knocks, the door will be open. Knocking, I believe, speaks more about being persistent in our prayer. Verses 5 through 8 are dedicated to the thought of persistently asking and seeking God until the answer comes. Wesley Duell refers to this as mighty prevailing prayer. Knocking is often accompanied with fasting. It's sacrificial prayer sometimes. It implies repetition and perseverance. Every prayer is a knock against the gates of hell. Every time you lift the Lord, you are calling on God. And every prayer, you are knocking until God breaks the stronghold of the enemy. I've told you this story, and this is, this is to me uh, such an important thing. Over and over when we pray, a, a blow is struck against the stronghold of the enemy until there is a breakthrough, until the answer comes. For so many years of my life, especially in my teenage years, in my young adult life, my mom was bound to alcohol and drugs. She was also bound to uh, cigarettes. She had a five-pack-a-day habit. She was so messed up that somewhere along the line, she became possessed by a demon. And this demon would hold her captive. It threw our family into chaos. And to this day, my siblings and I have the scars to show for it. It was a terrible place to grow up. I do not have time to repeat the whole story. But for my mother, I, other family members... And loving people from the churches that we attended knocked and prayed and sought God. I remember at times when my mother's hatred for Jesus Christ was so great, she would stand and look at the ceiling and curse God and shake her fist. I remember her throwing a pastor out of our house because he was talking to her about the Lord. And so many people said, you know, she's just too far gone. She's just too messed up. She's so addicted. She's so buried in all of this. She's in such bondage. And there were people who wrote my mom off, but there were people who knocked. And I will tell you that I knocked. I'm not saying this to brag, but that was my mom. And I many nights laid on my bed, tears tracking down my cheek, calling on God and saying, God, deliver my mother. Break this bondage. Break this this power until the day came when I got to be present as the demon who had such a grip on her was cast out in the mighty name of our deliverer, Jesus Christ. I still remember her sitting on the edge of the bed, looking me in the eye in a matter of fact way, saying to me, he's gone. And my mother had reached a point where when she looked in the mirror, she didn't see her own reflection. She saw the demon that possessed her. But the day that that demon was cast out of her and the grip and what I believe with all of my heart it was all of that knocking one day loosened the demon's grip and he could no longer hold on because of the prayers of godly people. And he finally had to flee in the name of Jesus. Powerful as he may be, he was no match for the prayer life of some praying godly people who would not let go of my mom. And then the day shortly came after when my mom was instantaneously at an altar of prayer, born again. That the woman who once shook her fist at God and screamed her hatred was now his follower. 
And on the spot, and I can tell you, I know this is true, and I will hold my hand up and say it's true. On the spot, the Lord delivered my mother from her drug addiction, not one day of withdrawal. The Lord delivered my mother on the spot from her alcoholism, not one moment of withdrawal. And on the spot, healed her of her cigarette addiction, five packs a day to zero. Now, that's unusual. You don't hear that kind of testimony very often because that's what we would all like God to do for us when we have this kind of bondage. Why do I think this happened? Because too many prayers have been lifted up to, to the Lord for my mom. And I believe his amazing supernatural power was unleashed on my mother once the prayers got through. Because people knocked. For years they knocked. And the gates of hell could not prevail. And I want you to know something. I preach this because I know it from experience. If we could capture this in our heads and if we would care enough to begin to knock, if we would just seek God with all of our hearts, these chairs would be full and we'd have a parking lot that we wouldn't have enough room for the cars and people would flock here because the Spirit of God would be here and people would be delivered. And I don't want to be a club. I don't want to just get together. I want to see God work here. And that's what I pray. I pray to God's speeches for an entire month now. This is the fourth week you've heard sermons on prayer. Why did we take so much time on prayer? Because prayer moves people's hearts. Prayer is a powerful spiritual force. And God Almighty is in prayer. Do you have faith in the God of the Bible? And do you believe that even the most broken person in your life can be delivered by his power? I believe it's possible. I'm going to ask Andrew to come forward and we're going to sing a song. And I, I'll tell you, as we close, I want to issue just a couple of, of invitations. I want to talk to you who don't have a right relationship with God. I want you to know, and I don't say this in any animosity in my heart. But if you don't know Jesus, you're not heaven bound. And the alternative is awful. You don't want to spend eternity without God. You don't want to go and go to hell. And no matter what somebody has lied to you about to tell you that there's more than one way, there is not. The Bible is clear. Jesus and only Jesus can save your soul. So I ask you, you want to be free. Let us pray with you. You seek him. And then Christians, listen to me. I don't know about you. But I think it's time for my prayer life to go deeper again. It's time for my faith to be built again. It's time for me to be willing to step into battle, put the armor of God on, and have faith and pray until people start getting freed from their sins. And I believe I can be in that position by God's grace. Everybody can have a powerful prayer life if that's what they want. I'm asking you, is there anybody here willing to join me? And say, yeah, Pastor, I'm ready for God to draw me into a a more effective prayer life. I'm ready to give myself to more prayer and believe God. I want you to know that that person in your life who's broken now can be whole in the name of Jesus.